This podcast replay is brought to you by Caneswear.com. For all your Canes, Dolphins, and Heat needs, visit them at 2511 South University Drive in Davie. Free shipping with online orders over $99. Go to Caneswear.com at Miami Fanware. That's the spot where South Florida fans shop. Rod, or I, sorry about that, bro. I didn't have it's okay. On, uh, with, <laughs> I have to have the, the I have the iPad, but the iPad doesn't have the people on hold. It's the yeah. live with Streamyard, and I didn't have it. I had another page out there. My bad. It's okay, um, dude. I, I thought maybe I thought maybe you had typed in. You meant to type in eleven thirty, and I was like, oh, maybe he's just. Oh, you know. No, no, no. That's, that's <laughs> my screw up. My screw up. I, I I always take responsibility. When I know I you do. Up. I know you do. No problem with that because I'm human, and I'm going yep. to screw up. Uh, as always, it's kind of like, you know, not kneeling in a game. You know, you're going to screw up. <laughs> Shit, happens. Shit happens. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Oh, so <laughs> new on the hurricane front this week because we got practice coming up. Yeah, we got practice starting on Monday. So we'll get a chance to start seeing Cam Ward in action. Uh, I'm interested to see what Shannon Dawson does uh, with him. Um, you know, one thing about Cam Ward is, you know, he was a leading rusher at Washington State, ran the ball 120 times more than anybody else on his team. He threw the ball a ton. You know, Washington State barely ran the ball. You know that's going to be different with Mario. There's going to be a more of a balanced approach. So I'm interested to see, you know, what Cam says about this offense, what Shannon Dawson says about Cam and how he plans to utilize him, because that's going to be an integral part of, of obviously Miami's success this coming season. Uh, I think tight end, you know, we got to get that position sort of back involved. Let's see what yeah. happens with, with this guy, Elijah Royo, if he's finally healthy and really ready to go. And and then, uh, you know, year three, bro, like they got to take a step up. And, and I, I looked at this the other day and I was stunned. Uh, Mario's first signing class when he got to Miami in 2022, he signed 15 guys, uh, not including transfers, but 15 high school slash junior college guys. Four of those guys are already gone, and only three of them have become sort of full-time starters. So that's not a very good batting percentage, three, three for 15, right? And, and one of those three guys just left to go to Georgia, Colby Young, uh, the receiver. So five of them really have left, and you've only got two guys that are, that are full-time starters in Wesley Besaint and Inez Cooper, your right guard. So uh, it's, it's put-up-or-shut-up time for those guys going into year three. So... Let's see what happens. Um, but, you know, when you talk about progress of a program, those are the big things I'm looking forward to on Monday. Uh, Injury-wise, do they have a long list or, or it's really well, like an unknown for you right now? Yeah, it, it's a little bit of an unknown because I've heard, you know, Francis Marino, the right tackle, had an offseason procedure done. Um, I know other guys that I, I haven't been able to confirm but was told that they were um, – you know, it, having procedures done where it, they might miss part of spring and come back later in spring. You know, the, the one thing I will say I've learned from covering Mario and the way he runs his program, if you're an established guy, he wants you to have off-season surgery and not worry about the spring. He will he will take you back in the summer. Now, um, you know, will the, will some of those guys come back in camp? I don't know. And that's, and that's why I haven't sort of reported some of the things I've heard involving other guys who, who might be out for the beginning. What are you hearing about the Canes in the Combine? Well, listen, I mean, they've got uh, Leonard Taylor. I saw some video of him running yesterday. Um, you know, a guy that was a five-star recruit. huh? Cam Kitchens. Cam Kitchens is another one. James Williams. Uh, you know, they, they, they ha look, they have some talented underclassmen that are NFL, have NFL-type ability, NFL-type bodies. I think Cam Kitchens is probably – the one guy who's widely regarded as, as one of the top players at his position, the safety position. I don't know if he's going to be a first round pick. He may be a, a, a second rounder. That's um, yeah. yeah. But, but I think he's the guy that you look at and you say, he's probably got the most potential of that group. James Williams physically is a freak, but I think he's a, he's an outside linebacker. I don't think he's a safety. Yeah. Uh, I and I think I don't have, I don't think he has instincts. Right. Is my, that, or maybe he just hasn't played it enough, or maybe he needs to kind of develop it. But it was – there was always something, like, missing with him. Like, you knew, like, mm -hmm. the raw talent was there. Like, holy shit, if you get this this condor playing right. safety because 
I mean, he's long, bro. He's like, you know, he's like a big ass condor flying around all over the place. So you're like, if you can corral this thing and refine it, oh my God. But I think it's more what you were saying. Maybe he needs to play in a smaller space and see I, things I, in front of him at linebacker might be something. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I think if he's willing to do that and finally get over it, he, he really – I mean, his final year at Miami is when he finally started to play more in the box uh, in, in some situations. But if, if an NFL team can take him and really teach him what he needs to do in, the, in those situations and have him cover, you know, tight ends and running backs out of the backfield and, and you know, get him to play at the potential that he has, then he could be a really, really good NFL player because he certainly has the size and the ability. But, again, it, it's the mentality, right, that separates guys – uh, once you get to the NFL, how smart are you? How how uh, how can you apply yourself to what they're asking you to do? And, uh, you know, Leonard Taylor's another one that I think a tremendous amount of ability for him. It was always effort. Is he is he going hard, you know, all all 40 snaps or is he is he taking 15 to 20 snaps off a game? Um, so, it, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens. They'll have some guys drafted. Oh, the, the, these guys are going to be on NFL rosters. And, and look, last year, uh, Tyreek Stevenson and, and DJ Ivy turned out to be pretty good, you know, fits for, for their teams. Uh, so again, you know, it's it, the question from a Miami perspective is always, when is the head coach going to start to get more out of these guys than the right. NFL teams do? Um, I think we've had this, con I think I mentioned it to you before, but with Williams, you know, yep. uh, times, unfortunately, dude, you have to go the way of Keith trailer. Mm -hmm. And Keith trailer started as a safety. Right. Moved and the <laughs> and then he moved to defensive end and he ended up at defensive tackle yeah. from safety. And that's because he already had a frame. Right. And then a frame that could then grow and carry more and more weight. And obviously he must have been big boned enough that he could carry even more and more weight. And I'm not saying Williams is going to end up at defensive tackle, but I, I, I think you have read it perfectly. He will eventually end up at end. And maybe who I mean uh linebacker or a pass rushing end on a on a three four or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. All those well, I've, been, I, I've been saying this since he was a junior in high school. I've been saying this since he was a junior in high school when I watched him play. I I, I thought, you know, and, and that was the problem. I think, you know, coaches, college coaches have this dilemma now where they want the talent on their roster, uh, and they don't want them to go elsewhere, right? And especially here at Miami, you have that pressure to keep the kids at home. Um right. But then you never really get through to the kid and tell him, hey, this is where you're where you're going to be best served playing. Right. And we saw, we saw it with, you know, Devin Hester, right? He was such a tremendous talent. He comes to Miami. They could never really figure out a spot for him. Uh, uh, and so and I don't know, man. The opposite of that is Chicolo. That right. the kid, they misused him. They put him mm -hmm. where he didn't belong. And they hurt his draft status. Also. Oh, yeah on top of all of that. So, you know, it goes both ways. And you can mm -hmm. understand sometimes the trepidation from the player, and then you can also understand, you know, the the what the coach is also seeing, because he might be right. Because there's a lot of guys uh, that, you know, like um, I believe uh, War was it Warren Sapp that came in as a tight end? Yep. It yep. was, right? Tight yeah, end. he came in as a tight end. Hey, uh, we're gonna move you over to defensive tackle. <laughs> oh, okay. End up in the Hall of Fame and a lot of money. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's go. Let's rock out. You well, know? that was that was Jimmy's mantra, right? Turn safeties into linebackers, linebackers into edge rushers, and edge rushers into D tackles. Um, the um, the uh, pedophile protector. Um, yep. Send paternal. Up. Oh, uh, paternal, paternal. Yeah. He wanted. He wanted Kelly. But he wanted Kelly to play linebacker. Yep. And Schnellenberger said, no, no, Jim, you can come here and play quarterback for us. No, no, we get <laughs> right. it. You know, this is it, it's a tale that's been going on forever. What mm -hmm. a coach sees in you, what you see in yourself, and then, you know, two worlds collide, and then we don't know who wins, and we don't know who loses until after that we figure out, oh, fuck, they screwed up Chicolo. Wow, what a call on Warren Sapp. Holy shit. You know, mm -hmm. that's the kind of stuff that happens that, you know, those are those are other stories. To, that's an article to be written, by the yeah. way. Yeah, that's yeah, good off-season story. Oh, you, you get, you're helping me with ideas now. Appreciate it. That's a that's a good one, because I don't think a lot of people like um, 
shit. What's his name? Oh, my God. The Bears drafted him. He came out of South Carolina, a defensive end. Um, oh, my God. He, he, he was a – I'm sorry. He's a receiver that used Whoops. to be a defensive end in South Carolina. The Bears drafted him as a wide receiver. He came into South Carolina as a defensive end, and they made wow. him a wide receiver. I'm, I'm brain farting in his name, but I remember the Bears what, signed him. What decade like, is this? This is uh, maybe 12, 15 years ago. Okay. And uh, and big kid, right? And And a lot of people never knew that he got recruited to South Carolina as a defensive end. It's going to hit us when we're off air, by the way. You know, that's that, when we're going to figure it out. Marty Booker. Thank you. Marty no, it Booker. Wasn't, no, it wasn't Marty Booker. It wasn't Marty Booker. Marty Booker didn't. No, no, no. It wasn't Marty Booker. It was, um, damn it, bro. It was somebody else, not Marty Booker. He went to South Carolina. Mm -hmm. You have it there, Sean? Can you tell me? Because that I we, we didn't get him here. I, man, I forgot his damn name. But anyways, he, the, the guy, you know. This is the kind of story that goes on all over the place throughout the history. And that's where, you know, sometimes it it, uh, it kind of gets interesting because sometimes you make a guy's career and sometimes you can't. You know what I mean? Right. You, end up, you end up ruining it. Like um, uh, there's a name, by, a guy by the name of uh, Richard uh, Williamson. He is mm -hmm. the guitarist for Kansas. He's one of the founding members. He's still with the band. And. When he was in high school, he badly wanted to play the trumpet. That's what he wanted to do. And when and, and the, his problem was he sucked at it. And so his music teacher says, uh, you don't have the lips for it. Let's give you a guitar. Mm -hmm. the, rest, the rest is history. <laughs> I became rich and famous and, you know, and. Everybody loves Carry On My Wayward Son. He came out with a lick that everybody loves. Da -da 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 so, you know, shit happens by accident at times. He wanted to be a trumpet guy, and he ends up becoming a rock star rock guitarist. You know. Sam you know, Shields is another one I just thought of, by the way. There you go. There you go. What do you, what you give, it to, give it to me. Alshon Jeffrey. That's the guy. That's it. Alshon yep. Jeffrey. That's the guy. Alshon Jeffrey was recruited as a defensive end to South Carolina, and they and they made him a wide receiver. That that's yep. an odd one, bro. Defense oh, Gre Gregory Rousseau is another one, by the way. That's right. That's Gregory right. Rousseau was a was a receiver coming out of high school in Champagnat, and Manny Diaz said he's a defensive end. We're going to make him a defensive end, and that's what he was. Our boy from UM, the tackle, was a tight end. That was the NFL PA guy, the really smart guy. Well, linemen are usually smart. Yes. Uh, what's his name, well, bro? Eric Winston. Eric Winston was a. We we got him as yep. a tight end here, and they made him a left mm -hmm. tackle, and the rest is history. For yep. Eric Winston, you know, yep. all the time, dude, happens all the freaking time, good and bad, unfortunately. All right, what do you got going on now in the uh, athletics, so folks can check you out? Well, I just can't, I just, uh, I'm driving back from Bradenton, you know, IMG Academy. Uh, I, I was there last night for their pro day and, and, you know, a big story in college football, obviously. Pickleball, pickleball pro day. You're there. <laughs> I ah. wish it was pickleball pro day, brother. I wish I, I want, I was, I've been itching to play. I haven't played in 24 hours. Um, but, uh, no, it, they, they had their high school pro day. And, uh, by the way, there's, there is an eighth grader, this kid, I mean, he is, 5'9", 170 pounds. He runs a 4.5, and he's in the eighth grade. Oh, this is, this is an eighth grader. Eric uh, McFarland, uh, be a name to follow the next year. He's, he's on the national team. He's going to be a freshman in high school this year, uh, this coming season in the fall. Uh, th that is a guy to watch, 2028. So you, you talk about these young prospects, phenoms. This is this guy might be the next Tyreek Hill or who knows what. But, um, but it's, not, it's not Booger's kid, right? No, no, it's not. No. <laughs> Booger's kid could not run that fast, I'm guessing. But uh, <laughs> he looks like Booger anyway. Um, but, no, I, I, wrote a, I wrote an article this morning on, you know, so much of college football now is the big two, right, the power two conferences, SEC, Big Ten. I, I talked to a lot of the recruits about that, like how much it's maybe affecting their thought process, the fact that, you know, the majority of the playoff spots, the majority of the money, 
the whole power shift of college football. So you want to read about that. You want to read about some of IMG's best players uh, in the next two recruiting classes there. You know, everybody in the country goes to that school to recruit. Uh, and, and Miami's actually in on a couple guys, uh, a five-star uh, offensive tackle in the 2026 class, Kenye Pepe. He's 6'8", 298 pounds. Oh, is an offensive tackle. He's 16 years old from California. Uh, Miami, I think, is in a very good standing with him. And then Gavin Nick, who is just diesel. I mean, he looks he looks like uh, <laughs> it's like an NFL linebacker with his shoulders and muscles. Uh, there, I think the Hurricanes have a real good shot with him. So you want to read that article? That's the latest stuff I posted uh, this morning. And follow him on Twitter at Manny underscore Navarro. And, of course, subscribe there to The Athletic. Manny, as always, thank you, my brother. Have a fantastic weekend. You too, brother. Take care. You got it. And, of course, we were at Canesware yesterday broadcasting. No, day before yesterday, broadcasting live. And you could go to Canesware.com. If you order over $99, you'll get free shipping, ladies and gentlemen. So check it out at Canesware.com. If you use our code Big O ten you will get 10% off. How about that? So you got an opportunity to get free shipping over $99. You got an opportunity to get 10% off when you use our code Big O10. Anything with the Canes logo, stuff with Dolphins, Inter-Miami, Heat, Panthers, you name it. They got it all there. Every team in town, they've got it. Go to Caneswear.com. Welcome, Welcome to Caneswear. New store, new items, same great experience. Family owned and operated since 2010, Caneswear has the latest merchandise from the Miami Hurricanes, Miami Dolphins, Florida Panthers, Inner Miami CF, and more. Come visit us at our store in Davie on University Drive, just south of 595, or online at caneswear.com. Caneswear, the spot Miami fan shop. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Connor uh, proved to be one of the best centers in the league. I don't think you want to do that. Yeah, It's funny how you don't have that position. Then you get somebody that actually can do it, and then you want to move them out. I'm not sure that makes any sense, Dolphin 13. I'm not exactly sure. Like It's just like the anti-Tua people. Like, um, what, you, you had another quarterback the last 30 years that was in the MVP race the last two years? I don't know. Did they grow on trees or something? It's so it's just there's a level of unrealistic expectations from fans. And that's why you're fanatical, because you do not have any logic a lot of times. You know, if you have somebody that's productive, really productive at a position, why would you want to change him? Does it make any sense? You know? So uh let's see. Uh, during that year, I kept asking, does Tua have authority to call audibles? No, he doesn't have. Um, he has that, um, that check with me system is what he has. That's what he has. All right. Uh, let's, uh, get to our 3A graphics sports calendar. Alan Blanco and the great people at 3A graphics, custom printing and embroidery nuggets over the heat, 103 to 97, uh, Saturday, they will take on Utah, and that'll be at, what is it, uh, uh, Kaseya Center. That's right, 5 o'clock. Panthers, they got the win in a shootout in uh, and last night against Montreal, 4-3. to three. They improved to 40-16-4. I mean, they are the best team in town by miles and miles and miles, and it's not even close. Not even close. They are the closest team to a championship right now, the Florida Panthers. Closer than even Inter-Miami is because Inter-Miami with that defense, ooh, I don't know how they're going to win. I know they're missing a couple guys. But anyway, they are number one in the, in the conference with 84 points tied with Boston. Saturday, they're at Detroit, 3 o'clock faceoff. Saturday at 4 o'clock, St. Leo University visits Nova Southeastern. And on Saturday at 4.30 at Chase Stadium, Inter-Miami is hosting Orlando City. That is your 3A Graphics sports calendar. Please call Alan Blanco and the great people at 3A Graphics Custom Printing and Embroidery for uniforms, you name it, uh, whatever it is you need, pens, magnets, 
hats, shirts, you, whatever it is that you need, man. Your fantasy league, your business, uniforms, whatever it is. Call 3A Graphics Sports Calendar. They will get it done. Proud sponsors of our platform, and we love them. Uh, and call Alan Blanco. Make sure you ask for Alan. Don't forget, folks, you can also make a donation, Cash App or Venmo, at Cash Big O Show. That is Cash Big O Show, Cash App or Venmo. You can also make a Bitcoin donation on Cash App or Venmo. Cash Big O Show. That's Cash Big O Show. Cash App or Venmo. There we go. All right, all right, all right. Uh, what else? What else do we have? Just looking to see if there is anything new on social media. I don't see anything. Uh, I saw Charles Barkley. That Charles Barkley said he bet against Mahomes and the Chiefs three times and went 0 for 3 in the playoffs. And I got to let me I don't know if some of you know about this or realize this, because just in case, if you ever get the opportunity, that's if you're smart enough and you can do it. Um, but athletes in general, because I'm going to generalize this, OK, suck at sports gambling. Horrible. They have zero objectivity. Not a little, not some, they have none. They bet with their hearts. They rarely really follow the sports. Seriously, a former football player, once he leaves a sport, he really doesn't follow the sport, okay? Unless you're, you're, you're like Joe or something, or, or maybe even Channing. You know, that you're still in the business, you're talking about it, you're watching it, all that kind of stuff. Okay? That's a little different. All right? Although with Channing traveling so much, I don't know what the hell he's watching. Because he travels a lot, dude. He is a rock star. But, um, you know, you think about it. that Athletes, if you ever get a chance to make bets with athletes, do it. Do it. The worst gamblers in the world are athletes, current, former, whatever. Every time I bet with one of them, I smoke them every single time. I've never lost a bet with an athlete. Never. Never. I, I, I try to explain that to people. You know what I'm saying? That it's like, they know their sport while they're playing and they understand the nuances of it that we may not and all that kind of stuff. And they have more information than we do because they're on the inside and we're not. All those kind of things, they have an advantage. But when it comes to generality of trying to figure out everything else around them, other teams and the sport and all that, they're not very good. <laughs> not very good. So I I'm sure Charles Barkley has lost a ton of money. I mean, just by hearing him, you know, he says a lot of wacky stuff and obviously he'll say some things that he that others won't say. And so people will like to watch it. But when you watch his knowledge of it, you kind of figure he sucks at gambling. So when he went three times against Mahomes, you know, I'm like typical athlete. Typical athlete. Kind of like a fanatical fan. You know, there's no, there's all emotion and there is no objectivity whatsoever. You can't compartmentalize your emotions. Your emotions have to be a part of this decision. So my suggestion to all of you out there, not a financial advisor, of course, if you ever get a chance, you get friendly with an athlete and the athlete ever dares you to bet. And as long as you're confident and you know what you're doing and you know your sports, okay, you have a great chance of making easy money. Okay? All right? Easy money because in general, there's nothing dumber in sports betting than a current or former athlete. <laughs> 
in general, listen to me, and I don't give a shit if any athlete's watching this or you want to show it to them or whatever you want, all right? They can meet me wherever I am in any live event and come on down. I'll, 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 I'll school every single one of them, every single one of them, okay? One of the dumbest betters that exists are athletes. So any chance you get to bet with it, now get the money ahead of time, okay? Make sure somebody neutral is holding the money because you also can't trust them to pay. It's been also my experience too. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, you still owe me a thousand dollars there, Trace Armstrong. Anyway, so you you know these are things that you got to watch out with. I'm in an age nowadays that I don't care, bro. And plus, I don't need to kiss anybody's ass anymore. So you know, um, but you know, you school them, and then and then they kind of then kind of like mm, you know. The dumbest thing, by the way, an athlete could ever do is challenge a media member to, you know, a, a betting contest. Dumbest thing you can do. Because the media members, on average, going to know more than an athlete about the sport. They're going to know more about the X's and O's, but we're not gambling on that. We're gambling on who's going to win and what's actually going on. So I, I don't know if you guys realize that, but when I read that that uh, Charles Barkley story, I'm like, yo, bro, this I've been at this for 34. This is my 34th year. If there's something I've realized about athletes, they are the worst at gambling. They suck. Okay? It's like taking candy from a baby, betting with an athlete. Oh, my God. Talk about being dumb as bricks in sports gambling. Those are your athletes. Anyway, so there we go. Uh, Chad says, sorry, I'm late. Hell of a morning. Hang in there, Chad. It's all there for you to watch at any time you want. Uh, let's see. What's the good news? When will the NFL and NBA make their own crypto coin? I don't know. I wouldn't bet against Pete Rose. Yeah, there you go. There's another guy. Another terrible better. Big O has literally been doing this all my life. Crazy. Yes, I have. Yeah, if you're younger than 34 years old, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been doing this longer than uh, your lifetime and your lifespan. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's you know how I've given you some pretty damn good crypto tips and lots of you have been making a lot of money, okay? I just gave you a... One of the more golden tips ever is athletes and sports betting. Oh, my God. You can school those fools every single time, pretty much. Okay? Pretty much every single time. Unless you're not very smart. If you're not very smart, then you shouldn't be gambling in the first place. You know? So. Oh, man. Uh, by the way, there is something that the NFL is doing that I'm really happy about. And the competition committee is getting together and they are going to discuss banning the the hip drop tackle. And I got to tell you something. I I love this because the hip drop tackle is a disgrace. And it shouldn't be a part of, of football at all, just like the horse collar. And if you don't know, you guys know what the hip drop, where they, like, hang on him and drop their weight and, and then bring him down. Tyreek got injured on that. Uh, his ankle was probably never the same after that hip drop tackle. Here's my problem with all of this, okay? Because they're talking about Troy Vincent and the top executives in the competitions committee formulating language in a rule proposal that would define components of the hip drop technique that included defender rotating his hips away from the ball carrier and dropping his weight on the opponent during the tackle. The committee, which will continue discussions during extensive meetings that begin next week here in Fort Lauderdale, by the way, is expected to have a formal proposal ready to present NFL owners meeting in Orlando in late March. Now, 
here's my problem, and there's a lot of injuries from this, so it cannot be avoided. Penalties are not enough anymore. If you horse collar or or hip drop tackle someone, you need to be suspended, like right away. You need to be ejected from that game, and you need to be at least, listen to me, at least suspended for the next game. Now, if that player gets injured, for you making an illegal tackle at this point, this is one that is outlawed. It's not It's not a penalty. No, 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 no. It's outlawed. It is not allowed, period. It is not allowed to the point that you need to be suspended. As I've said many times about NFL players, they point fingers all the time about being safe and that, you know, the NFL hid information from them with the concussions, and they did. Okay, but the same idiots that are complaining are the ones that are taking cheap shots at each other. Horse collar, hip drop tackle, hitting at the head, all those stupid things that they do. They go out of their way to try to injure each other. So it's pretty ignorant for you to complain about the league not protecting you when you're not willing to protect each other and just play the game the right way, the clean way. Brother, it's brutal enough as it is. Do you have to take a dirty shot? The hip drop tackle does not belong anywhere in the NFL. Nowhere. The horse collar belongs nowhere in the NFL. So eliminate them, but eliminate them. You know, it's kind of like I talk about gun laws at times. Like people talk, well, oh, ban this gun. But no, 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 dude. You need to have the laws that are really strong so you can scare the shit out of people. Oh, man, I got caught with, uh, with an illegal gun. Yeah, you're getting 15 years automatic no matter what. Trust me, gun laws will change. Trust me. Gun laws will change. Oh, you committed a crime with a gun. Nobody got hurt. Yeah, it's 25 years. No no questions asked. Oh, you killed somebody? Electric chair. Right away. You get one uh, appeal. It's over. After that, juice them. Waste no time with these idiots. And trust me, crime will plummet. Same thing here. You, 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 want, you, want, you want these tackles to plummet? Suspend the shit out of these guys. No pay. And if you injure somebody and they're out for six weeks or they're out for a year, so are you without pay. Trust me, there'll never be another horse collar tackle again. There'll never be a hip drop tackle again because they know if there's a chance that they could lose their salary for an entire year, which might lead to them getting cut because they may not be as important a year later. Oh, baby. That'll, that'll put an end to all of that. But, you know, like society or sports, the penalties aren't serious enough for the violations. And that's what needs to happen. You take a dirty shot and you put out somebody for six weeks, you shouldn't be playing for six weeks. That's the way it should be. In fact, let's take it, let's up it. You took somebody out for six weeks, you're out for seven. Add another week just for the hell of it. You you want to deter people from doing things? Create penalties that will absolutely shock them. Penalties that you don't have now or laws that you don't have now. Pretty simple. But until we actually step up and really send the message, Hey, man, if I take this guy out, yeah, I get a 15-yard penalty, but I don't get suspended, but that guy's out for the game. So it's all right if I take a dirty shot at Mahomes and they throw me out, but Mahomes is out too. So now my team has a better chance at winning. Now, if they expect that you might get suspended for many games or a year or something, you might not do that anymore. It might not be worth it. Nah, hell no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to lose my salary for a year. Got to increase the penalties, man. Uh, let's see. I'm 44, and I remember the days of hammering Hank Goldberg. Softies today couldn't handle him. Yep. Uh, no doubt. Jordan Travis. Okay. RIP Hank. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, let's see. Jay Gelfin is reminding everybody, please smash that like button. Thank you. Thank you. And hit the notification bell. 
Watch time is very important. Watch time is the most important thing. Uh, let's see. They should have also gotten rid of the tush push. Let's. Uh, I don't know why they haven't gotten rid of that. I can't believe you said I'm not logical. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, well, the, uh, yeah, you're the one that mentioned the center thing. Yeah, no, no, I'm not moving. Yeah, it's not logical. Not to, you cannot move Connor Williams. The guy's an excellent center. He's a top five center. Why would you move a top five center? Wynn was actually doing a good job at guard. He got injured. That's all. He wasn't doing a bad job, and Hunt's an excellent guard. I'm, I'm keeping Connor. Makes zero sense, my brother. Zero sense. Um, let's see what else. Don't think they should ban the tush push because any team can't do it. Yeah, but it's the injuries that it could cause. That's the problem. You know? The way you do that, that's um, and you're getting low and all that kind of stuff and the collisions that are going on, you know. So I don't know. I, I it, it looks like a it creates a a disadvantage and at the same time it kind of looks like, you know. But I get it. They have a monopoly, and nobody else has been able to actually do it. And and uh, and copy it. So Jerry Jones has to take a paternity test. Did you guys see this? I was uh, tripping out with this one because I completely believe it. I completely believe the woman. Okay. Having seen Jerry Jones and his career and his life and really I know what that is uh, when it's all said and done. I've seen this kind of person. And so anyway, Jones was sued last year by a woman who claimed to be his daughter. A paternity test will now determine if it's true. Dallas County Judge Sandra Jackson recently upheld a court decision ordering Jones to take the paternity test to determine if he's the father of a 27-year-old Alexandra Davis. Uh, Davis, a congressional aide who lives in Washington, D.C., filed a lawsuit against Jones in 22, which he claimed the Dallas Cowboys owner is her biological father. Davis said Jones paid her mother, Cynthia Davis Spencer, $375,096 to sign a confidentiality agreement that prohibited Davis from ever stating that Jones is, is Alexandria's biological father. Davis also sued Jones last year for defamation claiming that the 81-year-old and two others made deliberate attempts to call her out as an extortionist and a shakedown artist. The case was partially dismissed in October, but refiled in November. Davis's attorney, Chris Hayes, said in the latest court ruling that Alexandra is hoping to finally get some peace. Alex is in a position where she really no longer has to hide her truth or live under the thumb of fear. Maybe she's going to finally get some peace, and we hope other families will have the same benefit from the judge following the law. Cynthia Davis was married at the time that Alexandra was conceived, but Alexandra said in a court document that genetic testing has proven that her mother's ex-husband is not her father. In her original lawsuit, Davis said she is not seeking money or fame, that she's made numerous attempts to address the matter privately. Jones has been married to his wife, Eugenia Lopez, since 63. They have three children together, all of who work for the Cowboys. That's why, you know. But I am 100% sure he's the father. And I don't know shit about the case. I don't know. But I know Jerry Jones. And I'm, I'm going to gamble that he he's banged many women behind his wife's back. That's what I'm going to gamble and say. Okay, I'm going to say that he's been a dog of all dogs. All right. He'll make Charlie Sheen look like a like a calm child. All right. That's what I'm going to say about Jerry Jones. And she is made already. She's a congressional aide. She's obviously obviously set her life up. She's in a positive direction. She doesn't want money from the guy. 
She doesn't want any fame from the guy. She just wants closure. She just wants to know who's her father. Like a lot of people would, dude. I, I, I never grew up with that, but I got to imagine that anybody that doesn't know who their biological mother or father is, and they'd like at least some closure to find that out. I think most people would. And when it's like this, when you're when you're innocent and when you feel like you're the the person that's you know not being treated right, you do you act exactly like her. Hey man, I'm not, I don't want money, I don't want fame, I want the truth. And then the other people are fighting you, they're in, trying to embarrass you because they have the money and the power. So, I, I think when it's all said and done, I bet you that, you know. It all comes out, he is the father. I'm going to gamble on that one, okay? If there's, a, if there's a money line in Vegas on this, I'm taking he's the father. Put it that way. Although something tells me that he's the father would be minus 1970000 So you're not going to win a lot of money betting on it. That he's not a father, it's probably plus one million seven hundred ninety thousand. So you could get rich on one dollar, but you're not going to get rich because it's not, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, let's see what else do we have? Connor Williams was playing at an elite level, and they said it said if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Amen. Stoyanovich versus San Diego, Cosmarino, another shot at the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's happened. Dolphin 13. Big O, I've been listening to you for 25 years. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate that. We still don't move Carter Williams. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. Uh, yeah, I would call Jerry Jones the modern day. There's no doubt the modern day plantation owner. No doubt about that. By the way, uh, Sean and others, did I not warn the fee and joining the corporate world there at ESPN? Did you see the latest? Did you see the latest there, Sean? So McAfee went all out again. He went on the All Smoke podcast with Matt Barnes and explained his previous comments he made on his on his platform in January about Norby Williamson, the editor and head of event and studio productions, and that he was, he was attempting to sabotage our program. He says, I thought that was a warning shot to the guy. Um, I guess a lot of people have a lot of fear of him. I do not. That guy left me sitting in his office for 45 minutes. No showed me when I was supposed to have a meeting with him. He also banned all my friends from coming on my show. There was a band of ESPN talent on my show on YouTube that came directly from him. McAfee's show became popular on YouTube, yada, yada, yada. And so McAfee said that he noticed tension within the company, that there was also friction uh, after Aaron Rodgers used his weekly program on the spot to blast Jimmy Kimmel, speculating that the comedian was among those who allegedly involved in the Jeffrey Epstein scandal. That became like a war almost from behind the scenes. Sports Center people and the people that have been at ESPN a long time uh, against against us coming in and taking their jobs and all of this shit. And he said, I didn't see it like that. We were like pumped. We made it to the big leagues. Hey, I'm pumped. We're on the worldwide leader. That's how I viewed it. Immediately, it's like this guy sucks. This guy's ruining ESPN. It's not coming from people outside ESPN. It's coming from people within ESPN. And I, I did not expect that at all. So I'm immediately like, OK, we're at war. If that's what we're going to do, we're at war. Yes and no, you're wrong there, Pat. I I'm with you on all the other stuff, but the Aaron Rodgers stuff was completely irresponsible. That's it. Well, but Aaron Rodgers is completely irresponsible. He's constantly talking stupid things. But then again, there's a lot of you that are stupid that believe a lot of the stupid things he believes in. So, you know, we have a lot of conspiracy theory idiots out there. Uh, and then once you start learning about how shit is going on behind the scenes, things are being said to people, things are being leaked, the timing in which they're being leaked, it's like, oh, so they're trying to kill me. 
They're trying to make our show impossible to advertise with. They're trying to make sure people don't watch our show. As I started learning that, I'm like, all right, I don't know how this has gone in the past with other people, but this particular white trash kid from Pittsburgh, hey, Suits, this ain't, this is not how it's going to go. So McAfee said he didn't appreciate the media coverage from his initial comments directed towards Williamson and that he said calling out his boss, McAfee said he views himself as an equal to Williamson and reports to ESPN chairman Jimmy Pataro and CEO Bob Iger. Disney owns ESPN. I'm the executive producer of my show, McAfee said. I report directly to Jimmy and Bob. I'm not really viewing anybody like uh, like I saw everybody. Pat calls out his boss. I don't get shit. I don't get I don't get. I don't got a, an effing boss. Uh, we talked to Jimmy Pataro and Bob Iger. And who are we talking about? Because those are the people that could technically be described as my boss. McAfee expressed regret for how big his comments got, especially that Pataro and ESPN's head of content, Burke Magnus, were caught in the controversy. I did not expect the backlash afterwards. People were attacking Burke because it made him look sloppy because in, it's inside the building. People were attacking Jimmy because it looked sloppy. And that's something I did not think about. I was very apologetic about. I didn't mean to take down my allies, to make my allies look bad in the whole thing. I predicted it from the get-go that, you know, I get it, man. He went after the money. God bless him, bro. He's He, he does a great job. His show is excellent. He's a fun guy to listen to. He says what's on his mind, which I like a lot. Um, I just wish he would have stayed with um, FanDuel. You know, that's that, that's for people like him or myself. Um, that's where you want to be. You don't want to be tied to these corporations that are just vanilla and ass kick like most of the crap that's on espn i mean espn is so unwatchable most of the time it's pathetic how unwatchable it's become all these stupid talking head shows oh my god it's really amazing to me uh let's uh yes sir no i want to say i i agree with you to a point as far as I mean, he knows he made a mistake. I mean, that's given. But I think he wanted the freedom because of everything else that he does. I just think he put, he had too many um, pots in the kitchen. He's trying to do the ESPN uh, show. He's doing WWE. He's doing his own talk show. He's having a baby. He's, it, the balance wasn't there for him to do everything. And I think what he thought was, I go to ESPN. They take a lot of this off my plate as far as, you know, right. doing everything on his own, and then he didn't look at the other aspect of it of um, giving up a lot as well. The freedoms. Freedoms, you know, because you now work in that corporate world. And that corporate world is absolute bullshit, man. It's crap, that corporate world. Yeah, that's the problem, dude. That's the problem. Uh, let's see, before I get into a little dolphins, uh, a little music history, uh, today in 1994, Nirvana played their final concert when they appeared at the terminal Eins in Munich, Germany, the 3000 capacity venue was a small airport hangar during the show. The power went off while waiting for it to come back. The band played an impromptu acoustic set that included a version of the cars. My best friend's girl. It's pretty cool. In 69, Jim Morrison was arrested in Miami on this date and charged with lewd and lascivious behavior in public by exposing his private parts and simulating masturbation and oral copulation. He was also charged with profanity, open profanity and public drunkenness. The charges stem from a wild concert the Doors performed at the night, performed that night at the Dinner Key Auditorium. Morrison was later found guilty of indecent exposure and profanity, but would go on to be pardoned for the incident in 2010. In 95, the 37th Annual Grammy Awards Soundgarden won two trophies for Best Hard Rock Performance and Best Metal Performance for Black Hole Sun and Spoonman, respect, respectfully. Meanwhile, Green Day took home the Grammy for the Best Alternative Music Performance for Dookie. 
In 82 on this date, Jimmy Page released his first solo album, the soundtrack to the Charles Bronson film, Death Wish Dos. In 68, Elton John's first single came out. It was called I've Been Loving You, and it didn't chart. In 97 on this date, Motley, a Motley Crue fan who claimed his hearing had been irreparably damaged after a show in New Jersey had a lawsuit thrown out of court. The judge told Clifford Goldberg, who had sat near the front of the stage, that he knew the risk he was taking. Exactly. Shayna. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Exactly. That's how it goes. You're going to blame the band because you went to a loud rock concert. You idiot. Why don't you put on some, you know, headsets? Some, uh, some what's that called? Uh, what's it called? Uh, earplugs. That's what you got to do. Speaking of music, by the way, um, the Eagles and Steely Dan tonight and tomorrow night at the Hard Rock Live in Hollywood. Friday and Saturday, Friday, the Beach Boys are at Plant City for the Florida Strawberry Festival. The Black Eyed Peas are at the Florida Strawberry Festival on Saturday. Steve Hackett, former Genesis, Friday, tonight at the Florida Theater in Jacksonville. Bob Dylan, Friday and Saturday at the Broward Center at the All Wren Theater. Saturday, Steve Hackett is at the Ruth Eckerd Center in Clearwater. Saturday, the Beach Boys are in St. Augustine Amphitheater. And Saturday, ZZ Top is at the Coffee Butler Amphitheater in Key West. Okay? There you go. Let's go with birthdays today on March 1st. Justin Bieber is 29 years old. Kesha is 36 years old. Jason Ackles, actor, 45 years old. Uh, let's see. Tyreek Hill, Miami Dolphin, is 29 years old. How many kids are calling him today to say happy birthday? I'm sorry. Um, Jamar Chase is 23 years old. Uh, Big E, wrestler. Do I get a thumbs up? 37 years old. He is legit. Oh, okay. Booker T, wrestler, 58. Do I get a thumbs up there, Sean? Booker T, wrestler. I got a thumbs up. He's 58 years old. Harry Belafonte was born on this date in 27. We lost him in 2023 recently. Mark Paul Gossler, 49 years old. Ron Howard is 69 years old. It's a hell of a list today, by the way. Uh, let's see. These people just barely missed the uh, leap year. Uh, Don Lemon is 57 years old. And that, my friends, is birthdays today. Okay? You got your birthdays. How about one more thing in the music uh, industry that is absolutely amazing? So, you two performed at the sphere in las vegas has they have performed i believe around 40 shows uh there and some of the stats and facts of the performance and the sphere and let me tell you something i did it three times i went to the sphere three times to see you two the experience was amazing uh it was they perfected the sound of a concert okay so size of the screen, 160,000 square feet. The Sphere's 16K resolution wraparound screen is the largest LED screen in the world, measuring 160,000 square feet. It's a daunting presence from the moment you set foot inside the venue, and you two certainly made the most of it with the state-of-the-art uh, capabilities, curating otherworldly visual effects to accompany their performance. How long did it take to prepare? 18 months. 
The planning behind U2's massive spear show took roughly 18 months. The band's longtime production designer, Willie Williams, worked with an array of other artists to create distinctive, engrossing videos that would captivate audiences on the venue's massive screen. A general theme for the production centered around climate change. Uh, and, and then, of course, the humanity's relationship with the natural world, knowing the dazzling visuals would garner the most attention. The band opted to keep things simple with their stage design. The stage was made in the shape of a record played based off of a Brian Eno art piece called Turntable. Total number of concerts, 40. The initial slate of concerts was a relatively small number. Only five performances were, conform was, were conform confirmed. Uh, when the residency first went on sale, tickets demand was so high, the band soon unveiled further shows, and they kicked off on September 29 of 2023 and was immediately met with rave reviews. After 25 gigs in 2023, U2 extended their run for another 15 dates, closing on March 2nd. Number of speakers, 1,886. The sound system in the sphere is already impressive. 1,586 permanently installed speakers strategically located throughout the venue. Still, U2 decided to up the ante to steal a gambling term and added 300 more uh, mobile modules for a total of 1,886 speakers. Total number of tickets sold, 661,456. Virtually every U2 Sphere show had been sold out with tickets regularly going for two or three times their face value on the open market. Total amount U2 was paid, $170 million. $170 million. Okay? Now there's an asterisk. The asterisk on the number is due to limited transparency on the on the band's final payout. Reportedly, James Dolan, the head of MSG, paid the band $10 million for the residency. That number is in addition to the $4 million per show that the band reportedly earned from Live Nation. Simple math puts the total amount around $170 million, though the band obviously had to pay out plenty of their own staff and team contributors. Only you two and their accountants know exactly how much money the rockers pocketed. Remember merchandise okay this idiot here has six shirts from those three trips at least and a hat so who else spent money you know what i'm saying well over 200 million number of different songs played 38 Considering how perfectly timed and scheduled the visual elements are, U2 Sphere performances have to be. There's very little flexibility within the show for changes. Still, the band found ways to freshen up their set list during the run, mixing in deeper cuts and occasional covers. U2 performed 38 songs during their residency, averaging 22 songs per performance. The total number included one off renditions, like the performance of Christmas. Uh, Baby, Please Come Home on December 15th. And the cover of the Pogues, A Rainy Night in Soho, was also dedicated to Shane McGowan. Total revenue, $256 million. Every receipt has yet to be counted, but the estimates are staggering. When it's all said and done, U2 Stay at the Sphere was expected to pull in $256 million in revenue. The success is a windfall for both the band and the Sphere's parent company, which saw their stock jump 17.3% following the U2 residency launch. Numbers of opening acts, one. Throughout the entire residency, only one man has opened up for U2, Paul Lovejoy, a.k.a. Polly the PSN Man. The UK-born drummer, recording artist, and producer is best known for his work with the animated, rook, or animated group, rock group, uh, Gorillaz. So each night, Lovejoy gets things started with an electric DJ set welcoming the U2 audience. Number of endangered species, 26. U2's Encore is backed by an impressive array of visuals dubbed Nevada's Ark. The design was created by artist S. Devlin, focused on the state's 26 endangered species. And now it refreshed on me. So. But anyway, you kind of got the gist of it. 
there's a, a lot of uh, interesting stats from you two at the Sphere. And uh, they raked it in, dude. They raked it in. Probably took in more money than $170 million with all the other stuff. Because they, that has nothing to do with the pop-up store in the Venetian. You know? So that's where that kind of doesn't, you know, fly. So they merchandising is probably not included. B. Marte, thank you for the love and the super chat. Hi, first time here. 94 playoff loss to the Chargers hurt the most, but don't think we would have beat San Francisco at home in the Super Bowl. No, neither do I. But, yes, I'm with you. It did hurt also. It did hurt. And B. Marte, thank you for the love and the super chat, sir. Remember, you can always make a donation through Cash App or Venmo at Cash Big O Show. That is Cash Big O Show. And you can also make a Bitcoin donation on Cash App or Venmo. Uh, let's see. What's a good number for Tua? Don't worry about that silliness, man. You know what I'm saying? There's no reason to worry about any of that crap to be quite honest that's uh that's makes zero sense to worry about that right now they're going to pay him and that's not really going to be a problem but it's only a problem for those of you out there that you know you don't, you don't like the kid and you don't believe in him that's where the problem lies for for some of you unfortunately but uh, you know it's going to be rough for you to live with it some of you are going through a really rough time right now because you're hating to see Tua get a contract. So it's crushing you. It's hurting you. Hang in there. Bitcoin, by the way, holding strong at 61200 Should Spo start Haquez? Well, he shouldn't be starting Tyler, that's for sure. 